And welcome in, Fright Clubbers. Thank you for staying frightful, our friends. This is the Fright Club podcast. Uh, that's your cue. Isn't there supposed to be music? Oh, you want a song? Yeah. I, I got a song. What's uh, what's our topic today? True crime horror. I'm sorry. What what kind of crime? True crime. True crime! No! <laughs> Stop it! It's that evil laugh. Stop it. I'm laughing because this is a little bit of an inside joke. This Hope's most hated song I really song hate that song. I, like, I, and if that's in my head the rest of this, the day, you're a dead man. <laughs> like uh, like the nightmare where you, oh we, God, we right. figured Just, out that we can't go to sleep tonight because we're afraid of having a nightmare. Well, this song is Hope's Nightmare. So, But it fit. It fits so beautifully. And you wanted a song, so you got it. Welcome. You're an evil man. <laughs> this is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf from MadWolf.com. And uh, we got to have that Spandau Ballet rocking. Ugh. Is it Spandau or Spando? I don't care. <laughs> these we have to settle these serious <laughs> issues before we get to the true crime. But no, it's it's going to be good. It's uh it's our top five true crime horror films. We have a good reason for getting into that uh, that topic this weekend, and we'll get to that. But first, we want to say thank you once again to our senior Brit correspondent from last week and from ScreenRelish.com, our buddy Craig Hunter. That's right. Joined us last week uh, via Skype uh, all the way from England so that we could count down the best in British horror. And uh, it was really super fun to have him. How awesome is that accent? It was a lot of fun. a really cool accent. And as we found out, he's actually in Newcastle. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. So our senior Newcastle correspondent uh, getting us up to date on all things British horror. And that was a good good conversation. I mean, it was movies. uh, A few of them were movies that we talked about before, Mm -hmm. but I always like to get that different uh, perspective from somebody who's actually there Mm -hmm. in the uh, area where we're talking about. It was interesting because some of the times you don't know if a movie is, is popular sort of in its, you know, birth nation and uh and so it was kind of fun to hear him talk about but also uh ben wheatley uh, one of the directors that we talked about he he just has a lot of background on ben wheatley yeah. from the same hometown and yeah you know and so we got to talk about like a whole bunch of ben wheatley movies which is really fun that was cool it was a little bit of a little bit of a uh, craig hunter brushes with greatness that's right there well, but so uh, thanks to craig hunter from yeah. screenrelish.com yeah uh for joining us that was awesome and we got some great feedback as always thank you for that and most of it i don't think we had too many quibbles no, uh, with our choices. No, uh, Craig himself had a little. He waffled with uh, the one and two choices, as did we. Honestly, it was a very close call. What got number one? What got number two? And he had some. Uh, some people were. So he probably would have put him in the reverse order. We had number two, the descent. We had number one, twenty eight days later. Right. And um, I feel like I lobbied hard enough during the conversation to convince him that I had made the right call because I made the final vote. But we had some I, I, Twitter people who disagreed. You know, one one person would say lobby, another person person would say strong arm tactics <laughs> let's not quibble over semantics but uh, no and the queen he definitely got some votes for the descent and it's hard to argue they're yeah, both such oh great movies they, they really, really are. are they really are you're, they're two of my very favorites yeah you're splitting hairs at that point uh and it was also interesting to hear his perspective on the alternate endings of the descent yeah 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 so he was pointing fingers at us over here, yeah, the I ending that he, we got. Yeah, I think he liked because the 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 uh, British ending was the original ending, right? And they kind of whisked it up for Americans, <laughs> <laughs> and we wish the Americans thank them. <laughs> <laughs> kind of whisked it up. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, be sure to check out uh, ScreenRelish.com. Not just for our movie reviews. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. But it's a great, <laughs> as we said last week, a great all around website. Uh, and Craig, thank you for that. So uh, on to this week. It's the true crime horror, and we're tying this in because. 
It fits uh, with the next round of Fright Club Live. That's right. So join us Wednesday, uh, 6.30 p.m. for a happy hour, 8 o'clock to watch Compliance. Yeah, and it's at the Gateway Film Center right there uh, on the Ohio State University campus on High Street. If you're anywhere in and around Central Ohio, please join us. If not, join us in spirit because this is a shaping up to these are shaping up to be really fun events. We had such a a great turnout. Really blew us away. Yeah, last uh, time. For the last time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of prizes to give away, so it's another good reason to come. I think the bartenders were happy. I think a lot they of, were. A lot of beer was poured, <laughs> uh, and that's always good. And yeah, so we'll bring some more prizes and, and have a lot of fun. So obviously that movie is going to be on the uh, the countdown today mm-hmm. uh, for good reason, and we'll get to that. But let's start off uh, at number five. And one, when we were compiling this list... I'll be honest, I forgot about this one, mm-hmm. and you had to remind me, and it is from 2007, and it's called Stuck. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It wasn't my fault, you should have watched where you were going. Take me to a hospital. You can leave me a few blocks away. I won't tell him anything about you. I can't tell him anything about you. Why are you doing this to me? I need your help. I thought you said you hit a guy. You didn't say you hit a guy and brought him home with you. You said you could get rid of him, right? You said you could do it. You said it would be easy. There's blood is everywhere. You can't get rid of blood. I don't know if you. I don't even know where I am. You can't leave me like this. This is a weird one. Uh, Stuart Gordon directed, right? So, uh, you know, great genre director, reanimator, the biggest, the biggest and greatest of the Stuart Gordon movies. He made a ton, though. And you know what? I can't think of Stuart Gordon anymore without thinking about the time that we met him at <laughs> Horror Hound, and I think. He thought you were pretty. <laughs> he was giving you the eyeball. I'm sure that's not true. I think he was. But I was excited to meet him. It was very exciting to meet him. Uh, big fan. And, uh, and, and I really love what he does with this movie because he's got a weird sense of humor that you can find in any one of his movies. And, and, and you can see it here, but it's a very unusual kind of dark comedy. It's not a comedy. There are com- comedic elements about it. I think what he brought to the surface was just the absurdity of the story. And we'll get to the story, the true story here in a second, but don't dismiss this film because in particular, Mina Suvari and Stephen Ray are so good. They really They're are. They're so fully committed and they find such ways to really express complete characters, very rounded characters, given the parameters of the film. And, and here's the thing about, you mentioned the, the comedic as- aspects of it, which I think we both recognized the first time we saw it. But if you go back now, I, f- I found, and looking at trailers, trying to find a clip, I found a trailer on YouTube that I had not seen before that was done, I'm sure it was done after the fact, and really makes the, the film seem more like a straight-up comedy than it is. It really is playing up, I think, too much. Yeah, because it's not a comedy. It's really not. No, it's actually very sad. It is. It's an extremely sad and horrific story, and it has dark, absurdist, comedic elements to it, but I, I, I don't... I would not never include this in a horror comedy ever, but no, this one I trailer so. that I found really made me think that that's what they were going for. So, now. It, well, actually, it was not. It was. It didn't make a lot of money. So, if you're not familiar with the story, it's a true story. It's actually based on a case um, from uh, Fort Worth, Texas, in 2001, where a woman named uh, Shantae Millard hit a man as she was driving intoxicated home, and um, and he was stuck in the windshield of her car, and she left him there to die. She just went inside her house and just left him stuck in her windshield until he died, uh, rather than. Take him someplace and face the the music, and so that's that's the story that this movie tells. Yeah, which is think about that. That's unbelievable. Yeah. that someone would do that. Yeah. Um. So the, the movie doesn't follow events to the letter. No, it does. But it that's the setup. 
That is the, the true crime setup. And then they, they, they kind of take, put their own narrative on it, especially uh, with the ending. Right. But, uh, but it's, it's based on that just incredible, I guess, absurd. It's an absurd incident. If it yeah. wasn't so sad, it's yeah. just straight up absurd. But, they, but you're right. Uh, the the uh, actors, the two main actors, right. are so committed. They are. And, and Stephen Ray is all, yeah. he's usually good. Yeah. You know what? It's Mina Suvari who really impressed yeah. me. Oh yeah, you know she she plays the, the you know the woman who the, who's the driver, but she also it, her character works in like a, a, a like an old Hospital, folks home. Yeah. And I, yeah, and it's just very she's very capable. She's she's very compassionate with the patients. You yeah. know, you really want to like her. And she's she's concerned. She's up for a promotion, and of course she's concerned when this happens that that's going to you know affect her promotion. Yeah. And then as she gets consumed with these events. Uh, once the man is stuck there in her garage, then it, she's missing work. She's being late for work. So she's got this crisis going on at work as well and ends up almost taking a victim mentality because this man had the nerve to get stuck in her windshield yeah. and ruin her life. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's a phenomenal performance because there are times when you do sort of feel sorry for her, which is yeah. amazing to think about. I know. I um, know. It's, and yeah, and Stephen Ray is great. You know, just this sad sack. I cannot believe this is happening. Are you really not going to help me? He just does a wonderful job. Yeah, because they also the movie sets him up. He's he is. It sets him up before the accident happens as a sad sack. He's he's not having a good time in his life either. No. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it, it's amazing the the situation. It's amazing that it's true. Uh, and 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 they are all invested in, it, as you said. And it's it was just totally overlooked. It was, yeah. Nobody went to see it. And I think maybe it was, um, you know, uh, w- it's hard to describe and think, yeah, I want to see that. You know, it's like you think, well, that's a 15-minute short um, and a hard one to watch at that. So so nobody watched it. And, and honestly, <laughs> I, I think you should. I think you should give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, just from, from, from 2007, yeah, it's called Stuck. And uh, another one that we thought about in this vein, I think, was, mm-hmm. was one called The Girl Next Door. And that's from actually from the same year, 2007. Which is kind of crazy if you think about it. It's 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 though the girl next door was written by Jack Ketchum, who uh, wrote the woman, one of our, <laughs> our very about favorites, that a time couple or two, of times. Yeah. So and I mean he's just a very he's just got a long career in writing horror and and he and he wrote uh, he wrote the story based on a 1957 crime, a woman just kept a teenage girl hostage in her basement. And not only did the woman uh, abuse this girl, but her her sons did, and then eventually all the neighborhood kids did, mm. and then eventually the girl died of her wounds. Um, the Ketchum film is it's very well done, and the and, and the actress who plays Ruth, the the villain, her name is Blanche Baker, and you might actually know her as the older sister, the sister that was getting married in Sixteen Candles. Isn't that if you crazy? Can believe that. Oh my God! Yeah, but she is the she's the baddie here. Yeah, and she's wonderful. She's really, really good. Um, and and most of the for the uh, most of the performances are good. You know, the drawback there are two. One is that it's got a very one of those sort of nostalgic nineteen fifties sheens about it, like a Stand by Me kind of a movie. And those to me that, that feels false. It rings quite false. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other is just that a lot of times when you watch a true crime film, you have to really ask yourself why make it. Why make it? And I think the films on this list, there's a reason. There's a reason to watch it. There's a reason to see it. And in this one, you just feel like, why am I watching this happen? So that's kind of the reason why I didn't really make the list. But I don't want to dismiss it out of hand. Right. It's, it's a well-written film, certainly. Uh, and it's awful. Um, and a lot of the performances are great. I just, yeah. I'm not sure I 
sort of recommend it. Well, that's a that's a, just a horrific horrific story, as I guess all these pretty much are. Uh, right. These true crime list and a number four one we know well and you know well. We've talked about it a lot for good reason. From two thousand five, it is Wolf Creek. What the bloody hell are you mob doing out here? <laughs> <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so, um, what do you actually do? Well, I can tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. And this is one, too, just as I was glad to talk to, to Craig uh, in Britain about the British horror, I was really glad to talk with uh, our buddy in... Corey Metcalf. Uh, Corey Metcalf. Who's, uh, he's, he's another podcaster for Golden yeah. Spiral Media, so when you get on there, just tool around, look for his stuff. Yeah, I was glad to talk to Corey to get his perspective on this movie, uh, because you know we've talked so much about it, and, and he clued us in a little bit about... How much of it is true? How much of it is based on, you know, how many different stories? Yeah, and, you know, we can probably skip the plot summary. I assume that you're familiar with the movie Wolf Creek. Can you believe that movie's 10 years old now? I, I really can't. No, I can't either. But, so, uh, it's actually sort of a cobbling together of two different murderers. One, Ivan Milot, who kidnapped hitchhikers and then tortured them and, and killed them in the woods of uh, New South Wales, Australia. Um, and so you can see, obviously, where that and that and he was really a serial killer. And then there was another one actually happened much closer to the time the film was released, the film that came out. And, and it was a, as a man named Bradley John Murdoch. And he was a tow truck driver. OK, it ran a couple off the road, killed the man and then the woman escaped. So so actually they delayed the distribution of Wolf Creek in the northern part of the country. Uh, because uh, the trial was ongoing, and they didn't want wow. it to sort of taint the jury pool or something yeah. like that. So, so that's getting close to the movie, yeah, with the tow truck driver and everything, and and of course, uh, as Mick, uh, the uh, the psychotic killer, uh, John Jarrett is just fantastic. Oh my god, uh, one of the best ever, really, so, one of the best so ever. So good, and it's it's just it's it's horrific, it's grisly, it's gory, but man, it's effective. It really is. It's such a great movie. It's such a great movie. Um. And, and uh, uh, you know, I think part of it is because they, they get you invested in the characters before it happens, so yes. you're not just waiting for them to be picked off. But I just don't think you can say enough about the performance of John Jarrett. You know, he does such a great job of being amiable and sadistic mm-hmm. and insane. Yeah. Um, oh. oh, he's just, just, he's just creepy as hell. Yeah, and there's a couple that we uh, kind of put under this heading as well, uh, and that's the classic Psycho. Um, well, actually, because... Because we love the character so much, Mick, so yeah. much, Mick Taylor, is where I just kind of lumped all of the Ed Gein yeah. with him. It's just a, a psycho who stands out. Right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, people always bring up the Ed Gein case, uh, Psycho. Silence uh, of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. They always say that. And then, of course, there are, there are several movies about Ed Gein himself. One, the, I think the most famous one is a Canadian one called Deranged. Yeah. And that's really, you know, basically a story of Ed Gein. Um, who, um, uh, none of those, Deranged would be the closest to a true story, although it's not a very good film. The others are, are very good films, but they are really just barely based on yeah. a game. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is simply that he uh, dug up bones and made furniture with bones. That's the only thing. He didn't use chainsaw. <laughs> you know, you know, um, but a lot of people, you'll always hear people point to that case, the Ed Gein case, yeah. when you talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also, of course, Psycho, because uh, it, you know, Psycho was loosely based, the original novel was loosely based on, on his fixation with his mother mm-hmm. and how it drove him crazy and the matricide uh, aspect of it. So, you know, uh, so he's got to be mentioned, although none of those movies really made this list. Uh, they would, several of them, if they were closer to right, the truth. Right, because they're great yeah, movies. We're right. not saying that. No, no. Case. 
but they're too far removed from the stories. Uh, and then there's a couple others. Yeah, you know, there's some others that I think that you need to talk about. But again, they're so far removed from the actual case that, that I didn't know that it was. They're just more inspired by true events. One is one we've talked about before that I love called Them, also Ills. It's a, it's a French film. Is a great one. The Strangers. I know you love that one. Yeah, The Strangers. That's a super creepy one. That has... Uh, we had a few votes for their the slow knife scene yeah. in the Strangers. Yeah, a few people voted for that for our most uh, most hard to hard watch, to watch scenes. scenes. Yeah, yeah but and, I do like the Strangers. And yeah. both of those, them and the Strangers, they're both very similar type of films, and they're both they're both based on cases where children uh, or young people break into your house, really. Yeah. And and uh, and then the classic Fritz Lang M, mm-hmm. right, um, with Peter Lorre. What a great movie that is! One of the greatest ever movies that is, and so super creepy. And it's based it's based on a serial killer, uh, a German serial killer from years ago. So. It, it, they're all pretty far off from the real truth of it. Like yeah. a lot of the movies that did make our list are pretty far off, but not as far as this. They're they're basically just inspired by particularly sadistic killers. Yeah, so deserve a little bit of a mention. But that for anybody wondering, that's why uh, they didn't actually make this list. weren't quite true crime enough, but uh, certainly Wolf Creek at number four is, and that brings us up to number three. We've talked about this one. A couple of times, and it's from 2011, The Snowtown Murders. Do you mind if I stay over? Of course, mate. You ever shot a gun before? You want to shoot it? Another Australian film, another one we talked about when we had Corey Metcalf on. Um, and, you know, uh, it's funny because he actually kind of said that this was too hard to watch in Australia. Wow. Like it was too soon. It was too fresh. It was too real. And that's the thing. Mm. It's very real. It it's is. a It's an alarmingly, disturbingly authentic feeling movie. And it, yep. but, but brilliant. Brilliantly made. Yeah. And not only in the specifics of the actual crime, but I think... Actually, it, it does a good job in speaking to more universal themes of, uh, you know, authority and, uh, well, I guess compliance would mm-hmm. be a word yeah. as we're going to talk about that exactly. coming up. But those, those types of things, falling under somebody's spell, manipulating other people for your own, for your own gains. And it, it, that's far and a little bit uh, away from the actual s- specifics of this case, although they actually do that very well as well. Yeah, I do think one of the reasons that the film is as good as it is, is, is not... Uh, I, the director didn't seem particularly interested in the lurid details of this man's crimes, and they are lurid. Uh, what I think he was interested in was, how does this happen? And that's where I think the film really, really succeeds. It really... Re- and you know what it reminded me of, actually, when we were watching recently the Stanford Prison Experiment film. Yeah. I was just going to bring that up because, uh, and if uh, it's it's out, it's been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, my review is up. Uh, another shameless plug on our website, MadWolf.com. Uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment. If you're probably aware, a very famous uh, psychological experiment in 1971 that really shed some light on how how people can so quickly and and thoughtlessly commit depraved acts against other human beings, and how other people then are compelled to follow along it's yeah. it's it's amazing and you're right this movie touches on that as well yeah it really illustrates it and you know a lot of the credit has to go to uh, uh daniel henshaw who who plays the killer and if you haven't seen snowtown you you very likely you may have seen the babadook and he plays that sort of you know schlub of a guy who <laughs> wants to date the mom and the babadook yeah. who shows up at their house 
You know, so and, and the reason I bring that up is because I'd like you to picture his little chubby face and think, that's the guy? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons it works so well. Exactly. It, you, just, it, you just totally believe it. It's like the little chubby face guy in uh, Human Centipede, that yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that bad. No. <laughs> I had to bring it up because I just saw a chubby face there. and. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, it, he's he's great at how he you know slowly gains the trust of the boy. Oh yeah, and then starts turning the screws. Oh, yeah. so so nice. Not only uh, well acted, but nicely paced, and you're you're getting sucked in as well. Oh, you really? It's yeah. so unsettling. Yeah. It's so unsettling. Um, oh, you know, one of the ones uh, which I think that it has to be mentioned. You can't you can't talk about true crime without mentioning. This movie, and I, I'm bringing it up here because of of sort of the you know it's, it follows a specific murderer, a uh, serial killer, and, and it's the town that's, that dreaded sundown. And uh, uh, you know the original, uh, they remade it uh, just last year uh, with the original's 1976 film, and it's it's considered one of the very very first slasher films. And because of that, it's kind of fun to watch because um, y- you you realize it's not following the pattern that you're expecting it to follow because it actually existed prior to that pattern. So that's kind of fresh and fun. Mm-hmm. It's incredible low budget and there you know it, it's there are some interesting things that happen there really are it's a it's not a bad movie it feels quaint at this point and then there's one point which I, I've, I've mentioned to you before where you know the the cops are chasing the killer and he crosses the railroad tracks and they have to wait for the train before they can get over there and it's absolutely clear in like 75 different shots that it's a three-car train <laughs> they just keep reshooting the same three-car train and at one point you can see a guy with a boom mic on top of the train oh. with only three cars that they have to wait to get past for 15 minutes before they can get to, and then damn he's gotten away so it's it's just hard <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to take it seriously at this oh. point. And you know what? The remake wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. And then it had a very kind of scream-esque ending, mm-hmm. which didn't make any sense at all. So mm-hmm. I would say you could skip the you could skip the remake. Yeah, but uh, but but I agree that a lot of people will bring that yeah. title up uh, in this in this kind of uh, conversation. But the Snowtown Murder is definitely one worth checking out. Oh my god! If yeah. you haven't already, yeah, that's at number three in our countdown. And number two, it's the uh, it's the one that we are going to be uh, proud to show for the next edition of Fright Club Live, as we said, and it's from 2012, and it's Compliance. This is Officer Daniels with the police department. I have a woman here saying one of your employees took money out of her purse. You have a young lady works at the register, about 19 years old, blonde. Becky, come with me. He's saying you will have to take you to jail. What we could do is have you strip search her right now. I could strip search you here. No. No. And, and you know, I think maybe some people might quibble with this as a horror movie, I, I suppose. But when you, especially when you really look into the details of this case and realize how closely this film follows exactly what happened. It's just chills you to the bone. It really does. It is because I think the one of the, the things that is powerful about the movie is that you spend the whole time going, no way this could ever possibly happen. And then when you realize exactly this happened, exactly this happened in exactly this way, it is terrifying to think what people, regular people, decent people are capable of yeah it, again just like just like the Stanford prison with just the slightest sort of direction from uh, an authority or figure, what they perceive as an authority they just want to do what they're supposed to do if, if you're not familiar it, it's a case where a uh, fast food worker was accused over the phone of committing theft and slowly and and gradually as this went on the person who was masquerading as a cop and had the manager on the, phone. On the yeah. phone uh and had the manager of the fast food place on the phone kept telling her 
to have the employee in question do just increasingly lewd and obscene, just degrading, degrading acts, things. just to see how far, how far he could go, uh, and and how before they would put a stop to it. And it's just if you if you do reading up on on uh, on this case, it it happened actually more than what it's happened several times. But this movie was based on one specific incident uh, where the guy. Almost got caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he unfortunately didn't do time, but they, they really did zero in on somebody. I don't think just could get it proven in, in, in a court of law. But, but anyway, it's, uh, when, when you know that and know how, how, how close it, it well, so comes to, be clear, to reality. The, the guy on the phone didn't go to jail. There were people at the restaurant who did. Yeah, without giving away too no, much. No, but yeah. it, just to give you a sense of yeah. what he convinced people to do. Yeah. You know, and uh, and people had asked, there were some, you know, asked the the woman in question, who, who her um, her actual name is Louise Agborn, you know, why she would go along with all of these things. It's not like they were armed. And she said, you know, just the way it increased and increased and increased incrementally, she honestly thought they were going to kill her. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's astounding, and it's one of those movies, you're so right, because I heard people say it, and when I saw maybe some chat rooms or whatever at the time, where people just said that, no way this would really happen, I wouldn't, and, but it did happen, yeah. and you, that, that's the, the, the uh, chilling thing about it, is you, and then you have to ask yourself, would I act like that? Or I mean, if we all want to think we would st- stand up and say this isn't right, but would you really? Yeah. Because you see these people, and this it really happened almost exactly this way, and it, it's incredible. The acting we got we, the the two main characters, uh, the the girl that plays the the young uh, employee who gets uh, all these unfortunate things happen to her, named Dreama Walker. Uh, you might know her if you saw if you saw the Clint Eastwood movie Grand Torino. She's the bratty girl at the end who is mad she doesn't get the car. Yep, yep. Uh, and she is she's fantastic. Only outdone by the woman that plays her manager. Ann Dowd. Oh, oh my God! You know, and her name was kicked around that year as an Oscar contender. Should have yeah, been. Yeah, should have been. She was just magnificent. She just is so, magnificent. So good. And you know, I think we've mentioned this before, but the writer director is Craig Zobel, who we're, we've been huge fans of for years. From for the Homestar Runner website, but in particular from Teen Girl Squad, which is my favorite online cartoon of all time. Yeah, it's so great. It, when we found out he was the same guy, just amazing. Uh, yeah, very multi-talented. But but uh, talk about a director that effectively turns the screws oh, on this. Yeah. You're, I mean, there are points where you will probably be holding your breath. You yeah. can't believe someone is going to put a stop to this. Yeah. Aren't they? It's it's just. It's really the definition, I think, of, of true crime horror. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, that this actually happens so closely uh, to the way this movie depicts it. Uh, that if you want to read up on it, it's not pleasant, but it can tell you just exactly how, how authentic this movie is. And uh, again, it's going to be our, uh, our next edition of Fright Club Live. And I think one of the reasons that that's good is because it really does generate discussion. Like it's, a lot. Oh, very much yeah. so. Yeah, very much so, so. We're looking forward to talking to you. So come on out. And yeah, see it. so come on out. So that's number two. So you know the uh, film at number one has to be a good one, and boy, it is from 1986. Another one we've talked about: Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. You told me you never killed anybody before. I ain't saying that. Open your eyes, Otis. Look at the world. It's either you or them. And you talk about chilling. This, 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 that that might be the definition of just chills you to the bone. It really does. It really does. And of course, it's it's based on serial killer Henry Lee Lucas. 
um, and also his his uh, relationship with another killer named Otis Toole. And in it, you know, it's hard to know exactly what it is Henry Lee Lucas did while he was out because in the end, by the end of his life, he had uh, confessed to more than 3,000 crimes, right. the, the vast majority of which he, he, could, he was incapable of having committed. So, um, so while it's hard to know, so this is clearly not a, a, an identical reenactment of anything, the film does a beautiful job with that aspect of Lucas's life in particular because... The whole time, every time he says something, it's probably not true. Every time the character played brilliantly by Michael Rooker, everything he does, everything he says, everything to shed light on his past, every time you think you're being given a glimpse of why he behaves as he does, none of it's ever true. Um, It's just so you're like you're just you're never on solid footing. And it, it, it makes the film just just breathless. You just can't stop watching no matter how grisly it is. Yeah, and as as much as, as great as Michael Rooker is, and, and he is, you also have to give it up too for uh, the actor that played Otis, and that's Tom uh, Towles, who Died unfor- recently. unfortunately, yeah. yeah, just a few months back, yeah. uh, saw that he passed away suddenly, and uh, even more than this movie, he had a long, long career. He did, yeah. So many, um, so many credits and many films that maybe a lot of people didn't see, TV shows, whatever. But uh, he's he's also just excellent. The two of them making up that that tandem that just can't believe what you're seeing yeah. at times. Uh, and this one also had. At least one scene that got a few votes in our countdown of yeah. the hardest to watch yes. scenes. We yeah. don't want to give it away, but it's it's basically the last scene in the film. Yeah, and uh, and 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 while it doesn't show anything happening, it just makes your stomach drop. Yes, just drop. Yeah, more of it. More of it is left to what you are pretty sure yeah. is happening, mm-hmm. and that can be even more effective. Oh, sometimes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and it's it is just uh, I just keep going back to the word chilling because. Because that's what it is. It just makes your blood run cold. Yeah. That uh, even even if, granted, a lot of these things that he said probably weren't true. The things that we do know. Well, for example, we know that he killed his mother. Yeah. And so they re- they they refer to that in actually a really super chilling scene because there's the Otis's sister that you already know there's something wrong with Otis and his sister, and so you feel like. Well, is Henry Lee Lucas being gallant? He's trying to say, you know, it's it, the whole thing just is so sociologically weird but she asks she's like did you really kill your mama and it, and it, you just like think to yourself as soon as she says it like oh god don't say that um and, and then where it goes from there is is bizarre is is scary it, it's the whole thing is just it's you just cannot look away you can't predict right. what's going to happen next right. because you can't imagine that these people really ever existed but a they did and b the the whole cast uh brings them to life yeah. so well it really is it's a case of you cannot look away even if Maybe you want to and think yeah. you should. It's it, it, you just can't look away. And there's a couple other titles that fall under this under this category. You think back uh, before uh, stardom, Jeremy Renner uh, in 2002 starred as Jeffrey Dahmer in Dahmer, right? Uh, and then there's of course the famous uh, Helter Skelter, which was a TV movie of the Charles Manson family. Uh, and then one that you know I don't think a lot of people saw. We did because we're such big fans of Michael Shannon called Iceman, and that was just from uh, 2012 where he played a famous uh, hitman. Yeah, and it's you know it's not a horror film, a horror film, but it is creepy. It's very dark, and it's it's just really really well done. He did some horrific things. He did do some horrific things, and he's so great. We love Michael Shannon, and also actually uh, Chris Evans is really good in it. James Franco is going to win on a rider. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. the cast is great. It's it's really a it's a good one. If you're only used to Chris Evans in his in his uh, superhero uh, roles, this is totally different. Yeah, actually, might take you a minute to realize that's who it is. It might, it might, but it was a good one. I enjoyed that one uh, from 2012, Iceman. But those all fall under the heading of our of our number one. Yeah, I mean uh, there are so many. 
many serial killer movies, and most of them aren't worth watching. Gacy is not worth watching. Most of the Ted Bundy. I mean, they, they just usually are not really worth watching. Um, and, and I think that the ones we mentioned there are, even if uh, Helter Skelter is a little dated by this point. Yeah, yeah. But, but without question for me, the, the best serial killer movie, uh, based on true events, serial killer you're ever going to see is Henry. Yeah, so Henry, number one on our top five true crime horror films. All right, so all right, uh, let us know. Uh, good, bad, do we miss some? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the easiest way on Twitter, we are at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also hit us up, uh, we're Mad Wolf Columbus. On our Facebook page, that is always fun. We love to keep the conversation going. And we've got a, a few things in the pipe, pipeline. Well, of course, we talked about Fright Club Live. Once again, come on out. It's August 12th, Gateway in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to screen uh, compliance. Uh, but uh, we've got more things in the pipeline, more ideas for future Fright Clubs. That's right. We're going to do one coming up pretty soon on Evil Twins. We'll have a co-host, my twin sister, Joy. Hey, Shana, I have I have twin sisters. Can they come on, too? <laughs> How many of these movies do you think they've seen? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> no, but we're, that should be fun. Yeah, we're going to do uh, Devil, the best uh, Satan movies. We're going to do that coming up. A medical horror, probably a sci-fi horror sort of hybrid, the best of those. So a bunch of stuff coming up. And we've also gotten some uh, some great ideas from you guys, you Fright Clubbers, uh, some ideas to do uh, Slasher countdown yes. and some others so uh you've got ideas we want to hear them as always uh on twitter or just uh, however you want to get in contact with us please do and fright club just rolls on until then i'm hope madden and i'm george wolf this is the fright club podcast stay frightful my friends no! <laughs>